All right, Tim, it's our Friday bonus edition. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tim's on location. He's he's doing some behind-the-scenes work with the American Plumber Stories, which is pretty cool in Louisville, right, Tim? Yeah, in Louisville, right outside Louisville, uh, shooting some videos and getting to meet the uh, last plumbing guest of uh, Season 4. They're shooting their final episode so got some behind the scenes stuff that we'll be sharing over the next couple of weeks and, and enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about fister and um just yep good time well it's very cool well, it's very cool so today is um it's a very topical issue we wanted to bring up and it's very sad and tragic but uh i'm, I'm sure all our listeners kind of been keeping track and following what's going on in hawaii uh, especially Maui, um, just a real sad story. And I know, Tim, you were vacationing in that same area probably, what, two, three weeks ago? Uh, a little over three weeks ago. Um, my wife and I went over there for a wedding and spent 10 days. Glorious Maui. Most of our time was spent in Lahaina and Kihei, a little time in uh, some other areas. But, yeah, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful island and to see what's happened to Lahaina has hit home. Yeah, so we are very, very, very thankful for our guest who's going to jump on real quick uh, today. It's uh, Ray Michaels. He's the president of Maui Plumbing Incorporated, a commercial plumbing and fire protection contractor. He also serves as the vice chair for the construction industry of Maui. It's a nonprofit trade council that works to provide scholarships and vocational trade programs. Uh, he's working with vendors and contractors to build intermediate housing for those who have been displaced. Ray, man, thank you. Thank you for jumping on. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, John, Tim, thanks for uh, inviting me on. Um, I really appreciate this. We are trying to kind of raise awareness for, you know, what what we're going to do next. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to share some of the things we've got planned um, with you guys and your listeners and get some support from our brothers around the world. So I was talking to my buddy earlier this morning and he's like, make sure you ask him, like, how did this how did the fire start? And I'm, what I read, it was like hurricane winds or how, is it something more than that or is it just wind? Well, you know, Lahaina's always been a dry area, right? Um, mm. It's always historically dry and you've got a lot of fallow fields because we used to grow sugarcane in the area and now those most of those fields are fallow. And so you you have a tendency to have wildfires. This isn't nothing new um, to mm. have a fire in Lahaina. You know, I, I used to work solely in Lahaina and, you know, we would get stuck on the poly, we call it. So there's a Pauly Highway. It's a curved highway that leads from the West Maui to Central Maui back to your airport and other towns. And so when there was a fire, they closed the road to fight the fire and you would get stuck on one side or the other. And so this isn't nothing new. I think what happened was you had a, you know, a bunch of different things happening at once that led to this tragedy. You had, you know, a dry area, you had a lot of heat, um, you had high winds. And I know that some of the electrical poles went down, um, mm. created sparks. Um, there was this, this fire had started earlier in the week and they had been fighting it and thought they had it contained. And then we had these high winds pick up and, you know, unfortunately the town, it's an old historical plantation town. Um, it's a lot of old wood frame structures. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a tinderbox, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, what made the town unique was also what 
you know, made the fire spread so fast, a lot of older buildings. And so everybody did everything they could. You know, I have a friend who's a civil contractor who's based on that side, whose base yard was in, is in the heart of Lahaina. And they had been cutting fire break roads since, you know, Saturday night, trying to help with, you know, containing this. But when you have 80 mile an hour gusts, you know, on Tuesday, that fire is moving 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who are also firemen and, um, you know, they did absolutely everything they could. But at, you know, at one point, you know, they had to abandon their truck and jump in a squad car just to get out from the, the place they were in because they were it was surrounded by flames. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how it started exactly. You know, I'm going to leave that up to the fire investigators to figure out. Yeah. But what I can tell your listeners is this having a fire, a wildfire in Lahaina isn't a new event. Right. We've had them yeah. almost yearly before. So the devastation, though, is unprecedented. I mean, the devastation the is unprecedented. Of Lahaina, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, what's really heartbreaking about this, guys, is that where the fire burned, these weren't people's vacation homes. It wasn't our, our resort areas. Yeah. This was our working class areas. Yeah. These were the people who went to work every day, who worked in the hotels, who worked in trades in our construction industry. And a lot of these homes that burned were generational homes, right? These sometimes third, fourth generation from the plantation days, you know, living in this home. And and sometimes because of we're about 5,000 housing units short on the island, right? And, you know, we have a housing crisis here. And so this has exasperated it. And so a lot of these houses had sometimes up to 12 people living in them, or they were housing up to 12 people. And so where this fire slept through was, you know, generally it's, it's our workforce. This was workforce housing. And a lot of these people, because they've owned their homes outright for generations, were either uninsured or underinsured. And that's the people that we're trying to focus our efforts on, you know, helping find housing. Give me a reference, or for those that are listening, a reference of the size of Maui. Like if I was to drive from the north coast to the south, how, how long a drive would that be? So where I live, um, my home is on the north shore in Haiku. Uh, and it's on the northern, more northeastern part of the island. Lahaina is southwest. So from my home to Lahaina town is about an hour drive. Um, okay. You know, everybody we we measure distance in time here because we go about 45 miles an hour on our roads we're not going anywhere fast so it takes about an hour i mean you know square miles of maui i think we're about 150 square miles we're not a real big island right yeah yeah and to my ignorance you know i was talking with some people about this as it was happening and i'm like well you know you're on an island where do you go and people are like in the water like people were in the water yeah you know i uh Excuse me. Sorry. This is a bit emotional for me. I grew up in Lahaina. You know, my dad's uh, home, you know, our family home, the home I grew up in did get destroyed in the fire. So, oh, man. Sorry. Excuse me if I, I hear that. have to take a minute. But yeah, it's we're 727 square miles. And, you know, in Lahaina is just a tiny little town on the southwest end of the, the island. And so when you have fire moving that fast, there was nowhere to go but the water right? mm-hmm. because you had fire on either side of you. And Ray, and having been there, there aren't a lot of roads. There are not. There are very few major roads that go from the southeast side all the way around to the kind of northwest side, and then there's a lot of small roads in between. But there are not very many major roads. No, we have one highway in and out of the yeah. uh, West Maui, right? And so, 
You know, you can't go, oh, well, I'll take this interstate or I'll take that, I'll take that highway. There, That doesn't exist here. So I'm sure, you know, over the past week, 10 days, you haven't gotten much sleep, I'd imagine, you know, working and doing, you know, trying to run a business and trying to, you know, help out with relief efforts and things like that. Where are we at with what has happened? You know, the community uh, has been amazing. That's been the kind of the shining star in all this is how fast the community came together to give support to the residents of Lahaina. Um, you know, my sister actually still lives on that side of the island and she's like, the amount of support we've received is unprecedented. And she's like, there are so many donations, goods and things. She's like, we definitely feel care for. Right now, what the focus is on is on the cleanup effort, right? Mm-hmm. Because it burned a town. And so you've got things like chemicals that have been burned, tires, cars, batteries, lead, um, you know, and in some cases, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of bodies, you know, our, our uh, police chief gave a press conference the other day, warning people to stay out of the areas. And now they have national guard posted around the areas that have burned because people were entering that area. Cause you know, humans are curious, right. And what he said was, you know, a lot of the times when we're recovering these bodies and there's still a thousand missing, I believe, you know, when we go to get them, they fall apart. And the only way we're able to identify them is through DNA testing. And so when you're walking through those areas, you know, when you have this dust on your clothes, that's not just burnt wood. It's not burnt houses. That's that's our friends and family. So um, <clears throat> the effort right now is, you know, getting uh, traffic and goods and supplies and services flowing to um, West Maui because there's still a lot of, you know, it just burned the center part of our town, right? There's still Upper West Maui, which is, you know, Kanapali, where our resorts are, and, you know, Hanakawai, Kahana, Napili, and Kapalua, which extend up around that side. And so there's still residences and um, visitor accommodations on that side. And so because they closed the road because of the fire, now they have, they just opened the road, uh, I believe, on Tuesday to allow traffic in and out. So that's been a huge relief because we can get um, goods and services to those people on Upper West Maui. We've had multiple people call us going, I have a clogged drain or I've got water running and yeah. we can't get out there to service them. And so now we're able to finally provide that those services. And so that's been great. But, you know, the mayor, the governor and the, the police chief have just been urging people patience. You know, this cleanup effort is going to take a long time and we want to do it the right way. And we want to be respectful to those that have lost their lives and to their families, right? We want to make sure that we identify everybody and everybody's accounted for and that the cleanup effort is done the right way. Because again, this is a lot of hazardous waste and we still have to struggle with, you know, we're again, we're on an island. Where do we put all this? Where do we put all this waste that has been burned? Do we put it on a barge? Do we expand our landfill? Um, So, you know, right now, you know, tensions are high, emotions are high. And so what I'm telling everybody is, hey, you know, the people behind have what they need. Let's let's take a breath. Let's let's focus on cleanup efforts. Let's remember aloha, you know, to care for everybody. Let's treat each other with respect that, you know, one thing I will say is, you know, there's a lot of blame going around because people are looking for someone to blame. Um, I have worked with our mayor our, and their administration on a number of things. And I will tell you that everybody cares. You know, everybody wants to do the right thing. There's no maliciousness in the community or in government. You know, everybody's trying to do what's best. 
Unfortunately, it's a lot of people in the beginning with great intentions, but no coordination. And so right now it's, hey, FEMA's here. They're now in charge. You know, we've got some coordinated effort on who needs what. And now that the National Guard is kind of blocking the areas that have burned, the authorities can focus on their cleanup. So what we're focusing on in the industry, the construction industry, and, you know, the, the groups I'm a part of is providing intermediate housing for people. So these are like ADUs, accessory dwelling units that are prefabricated that we can basically drop in somebody's yard. And so we're working with vendors, suppliers, and um, the government to be able to provide that for people. And the other thing we are working on is how are we going to rebuild this town, right? It's a historic district. Um, There's cultural elements that need to come into play and be considered. So um, my next call after this is with Amy Marks from Autodesk. She's considered the queen of prefab. Um, I reached out to her asking her, hey, can Autodesk with their generative design and prefabrication techniques help us rebuild this town in a matter that we get people in in houses quickly because so many people are displaced and this is our local culture workforce. Um, We want to make sure that they stay and don't leave. Um, And can we use, you know, new techniques in construction to help build, build these houses back that echo our history and culture? Well, you mentioned something that I've heard numerous people say that one of the first things that everybody needs is patience. Um, This is a long road, a lot of recovery, Um, it's going to take a generation to probably build back up a lot of what was lost in the uh, 10 days ago. So um, I applaud you for all you're doing. Um, It's it's a gorgeous area. Uh, The last thing anybody needs there right now, though, is tourists running around trying to see Lahaina Town. But um, so long-term, I'm curious, right, long-term investment uh, beyond you know, some of us on the mainland that have given money or want to give money, what are some of the long-term investments that you're starting to talk about your colleagues in the construction industry beyond what the short-term needs are? Long-term is, you know, I'm working with the Hawaii Community Foundation and they've been around a while and they help provide scholarships, grants, and things like building affordable housing. Um, that's who we're um, generally supporting. And then there's a new foundation called the Mackay Foundation. And their sole purpose is on rebuilding Maui, right? That's their sole purpose. And a lot of the people that started this foundation, I know personally, and they come from Maui. They are personally invested in um, in rebuilding this town. And they have a lot of great support. And they are looking strictly for private donations. You know, the thing about federal grants, it always comes with strings attached. So we, you know, with um, the Y Community Foundation and the Mackay Foundation, we are, they are relying solely on donations um, to help fund building housing for people who were uninsured or underinsured. And so that's our long-term goal um, to make sure that those people stay on Maui, have a house, Um, and, you know, can provide for their families. The other thing I'd like to mention is, you know, we get a lot of celebrities and social media influencers saying Maui's closed, don't come to Maui. Uh, I find that really irresponsible. And quite frankly, so do a lot of government, uh, you know, our mayor and our governor, because it's our only source of income, right? Right. You know, we run, uh, we have 60 people in, in my company and 
we laid off two thirds of our staff because we're just slowed down because we rely on tourism. And when you're telling people don't come, you know, yes, one of our major hubs of, you know, tourist accommodation was effective, effective, but the rest of the island is fine. And so the mayor did a press conference yesterday and said, Maui is open. And we all kind of breathe a sigh of relief because we want tourists to come. We want you to come here and stay in our hotels and use our goods and services because this is how we all survive, right? This is our, our only export is our looks. So, um, you know, I, I am encouraging people like, hey, you know, if you were planning to Maui, coming, come to Maui on vacation, now you're not sure about it, you know, please come. I mean, you can't go to Lahaina, but, you know, you can stay in Wailea and, and Kihei and there's plenty of visitor accommodations there. You know, please, please come. Just be respectful and be patient with people. You know, we already have a workforce shortage and so yeah. people's emotions are high. So when you when you do come, just, you know, please be humble, respectful of, of the community and its people. Um, but we would like it if people did return, you know, our visitors would return to the island. So, you know, short term, you know, cleanup efforts, medium to, you know, intermediate term is intermediate uh, prefab modular housing, long term. And please return our visitors returning. And then long term is making sure that we rebuild this community that with with elements that echo our history and culture, right? We don't want, yeah. we don't want it to, you know, one of the fears that a lot of people in my, in Lahaina community, you know, when we were talking was we don't want it to look gentrified, you know, yeah. we built and it looks, you know, we have kind of looks, you know, all due respect to those that live in the area, but it kind of looks like a new version of Orange County, um, yeah. you know, and what a lot of people are concerned about because you know, it's a struggle to live out here. The cost of living is high. There's not a lot of housing. And what we don't want to see is a lot of our local residents leave, right? And then developers coming in and buying out swaths of land. You know, everybody's got the name BlackRock in their head because they don't want to see BlackRock coming in and buying huge swaths of land and then redeveloping it to suit their own purpose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our goal is making sure our workforce stays here, making sure that the people who come from Hawaii and come from Maui, you know, remain on Maui and we need to provide housing for those people. So what can our listeners do right now? Is there anything they can do? Is there any, like you mentioned some private donations. Is there a website that has been set up? What, what can we do? Yeah. Makai.org. And that's M A K A I.org. Um, mm -hmm. They are focused on rebuilding Maui. They have a donation available. There are 501 C three. So all donations are tax deductible. Um, I think they're going to do a great job helping, you know, a lot of people, plumbers actually have reached out to me through our Instagram page saying, Hey, you know, do you need help? I'm happy to come over there for some months and, you know, help you guys rebuild this. That means the world to us, but we're not there yet. You know, this is this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? Mm -hmm. And we're at level zero. So, and the level zero is just the cleanup effort. So, to those yeah. of you who have reached out to me, we really appreciate that. And if you're interested in in coming over and helping with that, you know, please message us, and you know, we will we're we're making a list of people. You know, but what we're concerned about is everybody's like wants to help, you know, the first two weeks, everybody's excited, right? And then you see this with natural disasters. After about month six, everything fades, right? There's a new shiny object. There's something else to preoccupy our minds. Sure, so sure. trying to remind people, hey, this is a long-term thing. I might reach out to you in six months to a year. I hope you still have that same energy when you reached out to me today. And so just reminding people like, hey, 
keep us in your thoughts. If you can donate, do. Um, if you want to help with the rebuilding efforts, you know, reach out to me. Even if you're not a plumber, you know, if you're a carpenter, or a roofer, or an electrician, you know, we we I can help find a spot for you. I had posted on my Facebook, uh, my personal Facebook page last week, hawaiicommunityfoundation.org is the other organization that you mentioned earlier, Ray. They're doing a Maui Strong Fund that um, you know, I've heard about on, on news and stuff. So if, if, you can't, if you can't get over there to help later on, send some money. They're phenomenal. And, you know, they don't – think about Hawaii Community Foundation is they do so much and – they are working with other nonprofits, including um, the construction industry in Maui, to provide grants for, I mean, they've donated to the Aloha Diaper Bank, the uh, American Red Cross, Ark of Maui, Baby to Baby, which provides baby to supplies to those displaced. Um, you know, overall, they've dispersed over, I think, $1, $2 million worth of grants to other nonprofits. So if you're looking for kind of a general pool to throw your money into, I can't say enough good things about Hawaii yeah. Community Foundation. They're phenomenal. Well, I will. I will say something though. You mentioned earlier uh, the community themselves, how they managed to create these pod units all over the 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 town was incredible. Um, really, the first four or five days, you guys were on your own. It looked like, and you guys did a hell of a good job trying to uh, combat all of the issues that were going on. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, everybody was incredibly saddened, you know, by this event, you know, somebody had messaged me that I grew up with was like, man, it's like somebody just set my entire childhood on fire. And that's kind of what it felt like to a lot of people. And so I think, you know, that drove a lot of people like we want to help. And it, it was incredible. You know, our, a lot of our staff volunteered and everybody rushed out there, but it, again, it was kind of this uncoordinated coordinate effort with a lot of people with great intentions trying to help. And we did a great job. I mean, couldn't get through on the road. So people with boats were bringing stuff in, you know, around the coast and using private boat ramps. And I mean, the amount of generators that were donated by so many people, I mean, it was so helpful in dealing with this situation of how fast how helpful everybody was and not just in our little island community, but from around the world, you know, that was, we, we definitely feel the love and we just, you know, we hope, you know, after the cleanup effort that that still remains. Yeah. I, I look forward to going back with my wife and I hope places that we frequented like the sly mongoose or dirty monkey or fleet woods or Betty's beach cafe, all places that we were just at a month ago, enjoying ourselves. I hope they return. Yeah, I think, Tim, for you to mention the Sly Mongoose, that's 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 deep Lahaina industrial area. Not many people know that part. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You really got oh, yeah. into Lahaina. <laughs> so I did have a final question. You mentioned that, um, you know, fires aren't, you, you know, it's not like this unique thing on the island. Um, but this was this was kind of a, a, a real once in a lifetime tragedy, maybe you say, but. I don't know if this is an irresponsible question, but how do you build back so this might not happen again? You know, that's a great, that's a great question. And I have a meeting with the, um, I'm part of the AIA here on Maui. Um, we have a meeting today, 4.30 to 6.30, talking about, you know, how to do just that. You know, mm -hmm. How are we going to, you know, we learned our lesson, you know, how are we going to rebuild the town so that, you know, it's not susceptible to another one of these events? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think, unfortunately, you know, people have asked me, you know, my uh, father-in-law is a, was Cal Fire. He was a captain for California Fire and did wildfires. That's what he did. He led uh, work crews of convicts to go cut fire break roads. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he asked me, he's like, why, you know, he was asking me all these questions of why we don't do this and why we don't do that. Why don't we don't do more hardscaping? And, you know, I don't have a good answer for that other than that, you know, we live in paradise. So we're somewhat apathetic to certain things. You know, one of the things is we don't do a lot of preventative maintenance and, you know, people from the Midwest always kind of balk at that because, you know, if you don't do preventative maintenance and you live in somewhere it freezes, things don't work. Right. Well, that doesn't happen here. We don't have inclement weather. So I can't answer, I, I don't have a good answer for, for that, but I do know that if people are hyper aware that we have to do, we have to build it differently you know we have to build our infrastructure yeah. differently so that it's not susceptible to another one of these events well i know that just meeting you over the past 25 minutes and talking with you i, I think the island is in good hands with with how you're going to do that well you know we have a great community and you know one thing is that we all love our community you know and that's what's been the most heartbreaking thing is that you know this hometown of ours it wasn't the hometown that you look to escape from growing up right it yeah. was it was almost like winning the lottery, getting to grow up there. And so when you've had this happen, it's it's so tragic that, you know, but but people love our community. So I think we are in good hands with just the people we have here and with all the support we have from our brothers and sisters around the world. And I can't thank, you know, your listeners and the people who have reached out to us on social media enough. You know, we've received so much love and support and I can't thank them enough for that. I hope that you you mentioned earlier paradise and maybe you look at paradise california from the fires back in 2018 to learn a little bit from there and maybe there are some ways that you learn from that tragedy from 2018 moving forward yeah i think we'll take a lot of those principles and apply them to you know to our geographic area you know we always say we're thinking about you we're praying for you guys i know that seems a little hollow at times but we are we i mean we just watch what happens, and sometimes we feel helpless over here, and we, we wish we could go over and help out. But, um, you know, keep up the great work. And, uh, you know, I'd like to have you back on on, you know, better better circumstances where we can just talk about plumbing and the trades. You you do stuff with uh, the vocational schools and young kids, which we want to talk about too. But um, I just wanted to have you on quickly to talk about this experience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for jumping on, Ray. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. And if uh, any of your listeners have any questions, have them feel free to reach out to me. You know, um, our moniker on Instagram is at Maui underscore plumbing. Yeah. And so um, we're, we're huge fans of what you guys do. Thank you for supporting our trades. It's great. It's great to see, you know, the trades look cool again to people. Yeah. You know, that's no kidding. one of the reasons I started my company was I didn't like the industry stereotypes about yep. plumbers. And so yep. it's nice to see, you know, the industry rupturing those, right. And making, doing trades. Cause I love my, I love the trades. I love yeah. what I do. I love being a plumber. So it's really great to see, you know, people like you promoting the trades and we just certainly need more of that. Well, thanks again. We'll have you on again later in, in the year, and uh, we'll kind of recap and, and talk about some, some trade-related stuff. So, Thank you, gentlemen. Mahalo.